I know the skill that I have because of the pain I've endured and experienced and I have appreciation for it. So most people aren't understanding that when you go into this thing and you're scared of it, it hurts at first. You're not going in with a, a, a just to make the pain less. You're going to turn into actual positive joy. And that's what I have people seek for potential. Welcome to another episode of Playing Injured. I am super excited for today's episode. This guy found out about him through Coach AK. Um, he was like, you have to talk to this guy, Anthony Trucks. You need to hear his story. Uh, you need to unpack it. So Anthony, he is an ex-NFL athlete. He is a, a coach, a speaker, an author, and he's a current American warrior. Uh, ninja so, warrior. Ninja warrior. Not just a warrior, a ninja warrior. <laughs> so, um, yeah, man, appreciate you coming on. Yeah, man. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm looking forward to having helping some people have some some fun time hanging with us in this next however long this is. <laughs> I love it. So tell me this. You have your yeah. hands in a lot of things and it's it's hard to keep up with you. You know, um, how do you spend your time today? Who is Anthony mm. Trucks? Man, Anthony Trucks is a husband and a father, a follower of God. And a servant, man, in a lot of areas. So the majority of what I do with my time, uh, I'm a speaker and a coach. So I sit on, on this chair a lot. And then what I do is I, at the end of my day, I teach people how to elevate how they operate so they can level up their life and business. That's so, it. It's, it's a core foundation of, uh, of really identity, which we'll unpack as we go through to hear my story. But really, for someone listening, if you're sitting there saying, man, I'm trying to get the most out of my life and out of the things I've already purchased, bought, joined, whatever it might be, but I just have no idea how to be able to, to almost in a natural flow, do the things that overwhelm me that I know will move the needle. So I teach people how to architect and activate an ideal identity that operates at a high, high tick um, so that you just almost make success your second nature. You just have that Midas touch for life. And I love that. And so talk about that a little bit before we get yeah. into your story. Oh, um, yeah. Uncertainty. Like, like you said, I, I was listening to one of your things and you talked about unconfident um, action. action. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's, yeah. there's a whole, so here's one thing people need to know. So my story is my story and it's, it's, uh, it's one that I'll tell, but the root of what I do comes from science. It's, it's psychology. It's neuroscience. It's me not going and saying, well, I'm a, I used to play sports. So listen to me and give a whole bunch of football analogies. Cause after a while that gets old. It does so for sure. I want to be like the guy that walked away and said, okay, what did I learn from my life? And, and the, I, yeah, but what, what I learned from my life, how can I bring it back? And then how it makes sense. I'm, I'm, as we go into the personal story, I promise people are like, Oh, that's why he talks about that. So here's the thing. At the end of the day, a lot of us, we have uh, in our life, we're trying to get somewhere right to another tier, another tick, something more for our lives, period. The problem is a lot of us, we, we falter in some areas. We find great ways to procrastinate, great ways to make excuses. And because we don't feel an immediate pain, we just don't move ourselves very much. In fact, there's a study done by UCLA that showed uh, that when it comes to a person asking that question about themselves, part of their brain lights up that says self, I know who I am. Then if you ask somebody like, hey, who is that person you love? Like a part of your brain lights up that says like, that's a person you know and you love. Then if you look at someone across the street and you don't know, they'll say, oh, it's a stranger. Now, if I look at the people I'll like take a bullet for, I'll work really hard for, it's the first two, not the stranger. I don't know that person. I'm not going to go and run in front of a train for that person. The interesting part is this. If somebody goes in and says, hey, um, I want you to think about your future self. That's mm. a part of the brain lights up. Stranger. I don't know who this person is. I've never seen their face. I'm not going to sell out to that person. And so what happens, a lot of people, they don't have the immediate pain and they won't sacrifice for the person that they don't know. Because it's a future self. I don't know that person. So when I talk about unconfident action, it actually fits into a process. So here's the, the there's two frameworks that ebb and flow together. Uh, essentially, we're like, just think of us like computers. And, and we have these hardwares. Our bodies wake up every day with a new hardware piece of hardware, computer piece, right? But what happens is we're, we're running this software from like 1992. We got Windows, you know, Windows 98 on this bad boy. <laughs> And so what happens is we bog down, we operate slow, and we don't even know it. The computer doesn't know it's running slow, but somebody using it and interacting with it's like, holy crap, what is wrong with this computer? And the program's bogged down. The programs are our relationships, our health, our finances, you know, like our career, like all these things that like we can't seem to just get going. And they just all of us, so they open slow, they bog down. 
we get the update in the computer, like a real computer comes in that says, Hey, you want to update? You're like, no, 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 it's 24 hours. Like I ain't yeah. got time for all that. Cause we don't want, we don't want to step away and delay while it updates. Mm-hmm. And then eventually what happens is the programs crash. Your marriage falls apart. You go out of shape. Your business fails. Like you can't seem to communicate to other humans. They don't want you around. And then you get that spinning wheel of death. This is like real life for people. They tuck back. What you have to do is pull yourself away and update the software. And the way that you update the areas you update as a human being are six very specific ones. It's your beliefs, thoughts, actions, and where your beliefs and thoughts overlap, it's your mindset. Where your actions and thoughts overlap, it's your habits. But the big one where your beliefs and your actions overlap, that's your personal character, like personal pride. So some people think, oh, just change your mindset, change your life. Nope. No, Josh, that's not enough. I know a lot of people that read that book, The Secret, changed their mindset, stayed broke. (laughs) You know, horrible habits, strong. I was an NFL guy. And at a certain point in time, like I had an amazing mindset, but I was broke. Like, and that's not by accident, right? There's things missing. And then what you have is people sometimes want to have the habits in place. They can have a great mindset, but then like they aren't consistent. So they show up and they don't show up. They show up and they don't show up and then they miss out on everything. The unique one is if I believe I'm supposed to do something and I don't take the action and do it, I can either build my chip or lower my chip. And by chip, I mean chip on the shoulder. The thing that I'll fight for in the moment I got to fight for, like fight for the job, fight for the girl, show up and read that thing, do that thing, and then take the confident, you know, unconfident call like I got to take and sell myself, sell the product. If I don't, if I've missed, look at this, if I miss a workout in the morning, I feel like like a crappy human. My chip gets smaller. And then when I get in my calls later on, like, I don't feel like the guy who should be talking to him in the base of my psyche. I'm like, but I missed my workout today. It trickles. And I might be in a sales phone call at the end of the day that I miss out on. And I, and I don't get the clothes. I don't make the sale. I can't help that person's life because I missed my workout in the morning. Yeah. It's a, it's a little area, right? And so what, when I want to look at how do I update these pieces, because you can't update one, you got to update all of them. Like you can try to, but imagine like being in a room with a bunch of lights plugged into the wall and they're all on timers. You got to get all six of them on. You run over this one, hit that one, turn that one on, but they're on timers. So by the time we get to number five, they're starting to turn off. Hit six, go back to one, and then two, and I go back to five. They're all over the place. But if you could switch one singular switch that switched them all, oh, it'd be great. That one switch is your identity. It's the foundation. It's your core. And the way you do that is you have to understand how that computer operating system works. And here's how it works. It's a loop. Like imagine a loop, a circle, right? Mm-hmm. And the circle for a lot of people is like a, a tire spitting in mud, going nowhere, right? We're trying to go uphill though. And what happens is we have at the very top of this loop, your identity, the anchors, who you see yeah. yourself to be. When it goes to the next piece, it goes from identity to the beliefs I have. Like the identity that I have gives me a set of beliefs about myself, about the world. Those beliefs that I embody and I hold every day, they lead to thoughts that are always running in my head of what's possible, what's impossible, how I can make money, I don't make money, how I can get the girl, I get the girl, get the guy, I get the guy, you know, educate, not educate, whatever it is. I have thoughts. The thoughts that we have lead to emotions, feelings all day long. And here's the unique thing. Feelings are this thing that people don't grasp. Feelings run you. Like some people, think about the people you're with, they're like, they're unsettled inside. I don't mm-hmm. like being around people. I can tell when you're unsettled because like you're fidgety and you're weird. I'm like, bro, go away. <laughs> like, you know, I, I can't be calm in your presence. And so what I look at is the feelings drive your actions. And we've all taken actions in anger, taken actions in joy that ended up being like, oh man, I don't want to do that. Or, hey, I'm glad I did. I was bold, right? And when I have the actions, what's cool is the actions will lead to an outcome. And the outcome is special. Like the outcome of what it has, like, it gives me a sense of like accomplishment or lack thereof. Like, yeah. If I fail at it, I feel crappy, right? And it creates an environment internally, how I feel about myself, how great I am based on the, on the outcome and what I see in my life, the house I live in, the car I drive, the money I have, whatever it is, that outcome gives you an anchor and a, a identity of who you are. That's why rich people sometimes are this punk because like, I'm a rich guy. Like, so I care about that. Like, but for them, because the outcome gave them an environment of like, I'm dope, I'm better than you and look at my house. Their identity goes a certain level. Beliefs change, thoughts change, right? So this wheel's always spinning and we got to reprogram it. I got to step in somewhere and adjust something. But where's the question? I can't automatically switch your beliefs or change your thoughts or all of a sudden, you know, give you a different outcome. The way you do it, and this is where you ask about unconfident action. Yeah. It's, it's right in that space between feelings and actions. Have you ever, <laughs> um, as a kid, like jumped off a cliff into the water? Totally. Right. And when we go up there, we're like, oh, I can't do that. Oh, I don't, every part of your body is saying, don't do it, Josh. Don't jump in the water, bro. Until and you then do all it. of a sudden, boom, I go. And then I get in. It's like, oh, that was amazing. Let's do it again. 
Let's do it again. While you're back flipping off it, you know what I'm saying? So when that wheel was spitting at first, you just, you're like, I'm not the guy that does that. But now it's like, okay, I did it. The outcome was great. I feel pride inside. Look at this beautiful water, my environment that I'm in. I can do this. You get better and better. And it spins uphill, heel mm. uphill. And so what happens is for a lot of people, what we have to do is be able to step in that area of our life, realizing now why we're doing it, which is to spin the wheel uphill. It's your unconfident action. It's what you do as you activate. It was called your secret self. Uh, a guy named Todd Herbin calls your alto ego. Very, very phenomenal concept. But what essentially it is, it's like, it's the person who shows up in place of you inside of you. Yeah. Like, I don't, I'm not the guy that does that, but I don't know, but I got, cause the thing is you got to show up and take, you can't just take the unconfident action unconfidently. You got to do it bold, like shut everything off, shut up brain and just go. It's the only way you get a dope outcome. And so the, the unconfident action comes from me stepping in and, and activating my secret self, that guy that who like doesn't care, doesn't think like I'll deal with it later. Sports wise, talking about sports and athletics. Whenever I had a coach, my coach was never on the field with me. Yeah, I'm in the game going to work. I didn't bring the coach in the field. If the coach came on the field, I'd be, leave me alone. DP, get out of my ear, right? But what I would do is do my thing, go to the sideline, get coached, and then go back. So the unconfident action, that secret self, is the person you send out in the field. And you sit back and you watch them. Like, seriously, like, well, I'm going to see what they do. Let them wow. do their thing. Wow. They come back off the field. You say, okay, great. Hey, good job. But that's how... You have to activate your life. When you do that, that's how your life changes. Because now you elevate how you operate. This it spins uphill. I've never thought about it like that. It's kind of an out of body experience. Just letting it go. You mm-hmm. just shutting everything off. And that's and, and I think that's a form of like you said before. A lot of people don't take that that unconfident action because they want to avoid that pain, that immediate mm-hmm. pain. That's a form of what we call playing injured. Is Hey, how can we just go through it regardless? You know, now that you went through that, I love that. And now we need to hear your story and you have a unique one. Um, So so (laughs) take us through your, uh, your early childhood and then how that shaped you. Um, I think your beliefs, your belief system and perspective on the world. Massively, man. You know, at the end of the day, I I was told years ago that some of the most beautiful people that change a lot of lives are the ones that are able to merge the message with the messenger. <clears throat> so, uh, there's certain people that like, like that you, you hear their message. Like, I'm not the guy to talk to you about, you know, how to, how to change a tire on a car the perfect way I could, but I'm not the messenger for that. Right. There's an, you want to talk to the guy at, at the tire place. And so for me in my life, like this message that I just shared, it's from me being the messenger. And so I say that, um, so people grasp why it's part of who I am, but also realize there's a reason why I'm incredibly happy and joyful. It's because I could be in far worse places. So we go all the way back to 1986, man, uh, three years after I was born, my very first memory is my mom giving me away into foster care. So I had me, three siblings. I remember the house, which she was wearing, like, I remember all of it. And if you've never had that experience, which I, I'm assuming a lot of people have, and it's kind of like that feeling when you feel like worthless, less than lost, very scared, like a very empty, unsure, unstable feeling. And that's how I started my life. I started from this base of like, that's all I remember at the beginning. I don't remember joy. I don't have happiness from that point. And what happens is, you know, I go through in that system for three years, uh, just a lot of just weird stuff, man. Beatings, torture, starvation, putting chicken coops, made to chase chickens around the ear and earn meals that night, putting shopping carts, pushed down hills towards moving traffic, like sat on curbs and forced to lick to the bottom of like neighbor kids' shoes, did really heinous stuff. And that all was before six years old. So wow. six years old, I get picked up and it's just like my sixth home. And you never know when you're moving, like legit, you never know when you're going or where you're going. There's a car shows up one day, they take you like, you know, praying, like hope it's not a bad house. And the, the last house, which is my house now, uh, was unique, right? So I get there at six years old, I'm this black kid, but I'm in a white family, the only black kid in an all white family. Now we are very poor. I mean, like you open the garage to, to, to go down to the garage and the concrete area went from black to concrete as roaches scattered. I'm not kidding. I've seen it many times. I got a picture on my head, rats in the pantry. Like, no, like we used to get our clothes. I have a black garbage bag that was in the middle of the hallway of all the bedrooms. It was like, there was one shirt that I got. I remember it was so wrinkled black shirt, like tie dye stuff on it. This girl, Alicia laughed at me when I was in elementary school. Cause it was so wrinkly. You couldn't see the logo on it. I used wow. to lace my shoe. I had the Nike Cortez. I laced them with paper clips because I would get holes in them from moving around. Like we couldn't afford new shoes. So I get paper clips at school. I would lace the shoes closed with my paper clips. Like they're telling you, poor, right? One of six of us at the time. It was four at the time. My mom had two more kids. First dad was a drunk. He used to beat my mom, beat me. 
weird stuff. Me, I try to hide it. Like, you know, say you didn't get hit. Like he told me across rooms, super weird. All this time, my real mom, she's in the background with what's called parental rights. So she can determine what I can and can't do. So I couldn't play sports, couldn't take trips, nothing. And she would always like miss visitations, lie to me, tell me she was going to come pick me up in the middle of the night, leave me crying at night, not there. Like just nuts, man. So at 14, uh, 11 years in the system dealing with this, I finally got up at a court, stood in front of her and said, I no longer want you to be my mom anymore. Seven mm-hmm. rights could get adopted. So now I'm the adopted kid, right? So now I go from the identity of foster kid, only black and all white family, uh, the identity of being the, the adopted kid now, knowing for the first time, which is cool, that this is the house that like, I, I woke up here, I'm going to go to bed here for sure. Never knew it before 14 years old. You know, my mom, she remarried a guy, which was great. She divorced a previous guy, remarried him. Life got better. And leading up to that point, I never knew for sure I'd stay there. So every time it got better, it felt bad. I'm like, what if I lose all this? Right. Mm. So weird unsettling. So the, the formative years of my life, man, I had a lot of reasons to be a bad little kid. And I was, I was crazy. I was hiatus, just hectic. <laughs> I was nuts. And, and I finally had an outlet. I could go and do something that I wanted to try, which was football. And, and if you look at it like this, for a lot of people, like there's a thing you try that you suck at. But you want to do it though. We you all, got, we, yeah. You got to suck at it first. Most people don't do that though. So I, I went in, I sucked at football my first year. I was good at recess, right? Everybody's good at recess. Yeah. Helmet and shoulder pads on. Bro, I was getting smacked by everybody. I wouldn't know what I was doing out there. So it ends up happening is little by little by little. Like I, you know, I kind of just keep showing up, but like I was, was the greatest. I, I pretty much was like, I'm not going to be great at this. And I kind of halfway went into it. So going into my freshman year of high school, my bio, adoptive mom's diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. My older brother goes off to the military, you know, so I was one of six at a time, a lot of craziness. Uh, and I get into this situation where like, I'm going to try football one more time. And I go out there three games in, I, I crap to the crap on the field. I suck. I have a teammate make fun of me. And I'm like, you know what? This sucks. I shut down. I literally check out. Cause I'm like, what, what's the point? Foster kid. I'm not going to do much. That was literally my thought process. I'm just foster kid. And I didn't know at the time, if you look at any prison in America, 75% of the inmates are former foster kids. Uh, homeless population, 50 plus percent of the homeless population are former foster kids, less than 1% of foster kids like me ever graduate from college. Like we're not set up to do very well, like statistically. Right. And I'm just like, you know, I'm just, this is going to be my fate. Uh, I'm this kid that like nobody in my family takes care of academics. My mom and dad, they were, you know, they weren't very smart. Like my dad's only 12 years older than me. Like we're not, not that we're stupid, but like we're just blue collar. Don't take care of school. Just, just do our thing, you know? And I check out, I'm sitting in the back of this class, English class, Mr. Howell's English class. Same birthday as me, actually. Good dude. And he had this, this like sofa on the side that if you sat on the sofa, you could hang out and do schoolwork. And I'm sitting in the back right corner desk, right next to the loveseat sofa. And there's two girls talking. And I got this amazing gift from one of the girls. And we don't always get this gift. People, we need this gift. The girl's talking to the other girl. And she says, well, the reason I'm so bad is because I'm in foster care. Uh, and it's a really simple statement, but damn it. I got to hear my excuse out loud, but it shook me. I was wow. Like, this, this is so, not what I want to have. So hearing that excuse come out of somebody else's mouth was different yeah. than hearing it it's, in your own head. In your own head. Cause you hear like, Oh, that's weird. Like it's seriously, if you were to tell someone, Hey, say this excuse, I just told myself out loud. Cause some of our friends, you tell them like, shut up, <laughs> you know? Think of all you tell them, I can't go to the gym because I, I can't tie my left shoe. Bro, shut up. You know, yeah. like, that's a stupid excuse. Wow. But what ends up happening is we we don't get that gift. And I got the gift at 15. The whole rest of the day, I was just like in my head like, that's that's super weird. I can't. And this is real life. And I'm sure you. So I went home, 15 years old. I had this mirror next to my bed where I would do like bicep curls with a dumbbell because my dad was a welder. I would like, you know, I kissed the bike a couple times, kissed the bicep. <laughs> so there's a mirror up there. And I would have, I'd do, do brush my hair because I used to have ways back then. Not anymore. Right. And I stood up in front of the mirror. I looked myself dead in my pupils. I said, Anthony, you're going to be great. I had no idea what great men at the time, but I was just like, you're going to be great, Ant. You're going to be great. And like, I had this thought, this conversation to myself. And what I knew at the time was two things. Back then, I was like, if I want to get a girl, you know, I got to get her phone number, call her house, hope her dad don't pick the phone up, you know, all that kind yeah. of fun stuff. But I'm like, I'm going to get girls' phone numbers. That's what high school kids do. And then, but the big one was like, I'm going to get good at football, but I don't know what to do. And this is where a lot of people falter. They never step back into the thing that hurt them the first time. It hurt me. I make an excuse to never have to face that pain again. So I, I, I want to try that new job. Oh, I suck at that. I want to do that. I want to, you know, go yeah. and get that girl's phone number. Talk to that guy. I got, you know, I got rejected. I don't want to do that again. They don't subject themselves to it again. And I was like, you know what? It hurt, but like, I want to be great. I do want to be great at that. So I got to find out what great people do. And I just want to know the actions. And so I, I was like in the Bay Area, Jay Rice running up hills with his short shorts, right? I'm like, 
I'm going to go run around, catch footballs, do lift weights. I'm going to everything. So I was catching 500 balls a day. I lifted every weight I could lift. I was doing routes in the park. No idea what I was doing, but I did something special that we all need to do for ourselves. The next year I showed up and I was, a, I was an animal, bro. I was an animal, like fast, strong, and I was angry. What it mm. was, was nobody had the right to beat me. Not a soul. Like if it was me and you sitting up here, Josh, I'm taking you down. If you beat me, we're going again. And I was just ridiculously just, I, I was just had this drive where I would not let somebody win because I did too much work in the dark. You didn't have the right to beat me. That chip mm. we talked about. Yeah. I, I built that chip without even knowing it. Like I had developed these weird thoughts, these actions, the habits I'd put in place. I had this mindset that was strong and damn it. My character was on full force, like ever size chip, bro. And, and what I found was in hindsight, what you create creates you. Wow. What do you mean by that? So if I am going out and saying, I'm going to, for, I'm going to go and make a butter knife. I got a butter knife here. I'm drinking tea. I got a butter knife. I don't know why. Usually it should be a spoon, but I feel like a butter knife gets deeper. So if I make a butter knife, the first time I go and make a butter knife, like I'm not a butter knife maker. I don't have confidence there. I don't have this, you know, these habits that do well. I just tried it. But my 10,000th butter knife, Josh, I'm a butter knifer. I, whatever that means. I'm a butter knife maker, man. I got the beliefs, the thoughts, the actions. I've created the internal person from what the person built externally. So I had built stronger muscles. I built better skills. I built a better mind. I built, I created these things. Mm. So as I created these things, it was creating a sense of self that Anthony needed to be personally, identity wise. I was no longer the kid trying to play football. I was a star football player. Wow. And Based when you all the work, all the work. And then what's crazy is you do the work and then you go put the work out there and the work shows up for you. And then the more it shows up for you, the more it's who you are. It's a cycle. And so everybody's that unconfident action. I just took I secret self showed up, took the unconfident action. Here's the thing. The secret self doesn't always exist. Eventually it becomes who you are consistently. And that's, that's what I took into the rest of my life. And that was what got me a college scholarship. Went on to college, had my first son in college with my high school sweetheart. I got engaged to her at 18 because I'm a dumb little kid, but I love her to death. We're still married. That's a whole other story. We're going to go into that story if you want. Uh, that's where I met AK was in college, had a son, my sophomore year of college, uh, ended up, you know, a couple years later, actually a year later, meeting my biological dad, which is a whole different experience. The ball behind me, he didn't know I existed when I called him. They had no idea. He's like, Hey, uh, cause I, I got my grandma to give me his real name. I called him. It was like three in the country. Called him. Do you know who this person is? Yes. I'm your dad. So sorry. Didn't know you were here. He lived in Marietta, Georgia. First game was at Mississippi state that next year as a true sophomore, I beat out a, a red shirt senior five years in my and, second year. And this is at, um, Oregon, Oregon. bro. Right. Bro, I was yeah. balling, dog. Balling. <laughs> hey, so I show up, I meet my dad. So I get to my first game with ball call. I got a, a game ball first start national TV, met my dad all on the same day, which is pretty cool. August 30th, 2003. That is crazy. So that was the first time you ever met your biological father. First time I've ever met Starting, starting on national TV. Yeah. And game ball all in the same day. Yeah, balling, bro. It was a good day. And uh, progressed later on. It was sucked. One of my grandfathers um, took his own life, which was a, a difficult time in our family. He was like the, the Christian anchor of the family. And then I got out. Uh, and at the end at the end of my college career, like now, I'm like, what do I do? So the next thing was to play NFL. I was blessed to get an opportunity to play with the Bucks, Redskins, and the Steelers. NFL stands for not for long. Lots of stories inside there. We don't got to go into them all. Just know that it's one of the most cutthroat, crazy environments ever teaches you a lot about yourself. I want to quit at one point. I found a way to come back. Um, but just nuts, man. It's a nuts world. And then I get out of the NFL and, and this is like where the, the real part of the story hits. We haven't even got to the juice of it. <laughs> so, yeah. So how did that, first off, tell me how did the, um, and then we can definitely go after the NFL. Cause I, yeah. I think that's huge. How did, mm. how did your NFL career end? And then yeah, keep going. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a couple, like th this thing, it ended with me hurting my shoulder playing against the Philadelphia Eagles with the Pittsburgh Steelers in 2008. So they all went on to get a Super Bowl that year. And I sat at home kind of like, well, send me home. First preseason game, I tore my shoulder. I can't do much. Just send me home. And every game they won, I was like, no, no. Oh, oh <laughs> <laughs> hey, but they, hey, they deserved it. There's good, good squad, good people. My life happens. Um, but that was the end of it, man. And I didn't even know it was the end, to be honest. Like when it first took place, I was like, oh, it's just going to be a season ending thing and end up being a career ending injury, which is the worst because 
like then you go home and like, I, I'm an idle hands guy. I, I did do something. My degree was in kinesiology. I'm the only person in all my siblings to actually graduate from the high school, not continuation or GED or to go to college. And like all my immediate family, uncles, cousins, everybody. So like I'm, I'm carved my own path and I come home. I was like, you know what? I want to, I want to take my degree and I want to open a gym. I want to give back to the, the community that, that gave to me this, this life and this career. And so what I did is I came back and opened this gym called trucks training. And, uh, Oh, it was one of those stupid, amazing ideas. Like, I don't know about it. I'd never owned a gym membership. It's 2008, a recession. Okay. And I've never had a gym. I've never had a gym membership. I'd never had clients. Uh, I didn't even know what I was doing. I know business plans. Like I'm just going to start training people. Oh, right. So I opened this gym nine months in my marriage is falling apart. Cause I'm not home. I'm, you know, I'm having this identity crisis of like, well, who was Anthony without football now? Cause I've, I've had this call with my agent one day where he said, Hey, Buffalo bills are going to sign you, but they're going to put a waiver on your shoulder, which means if you get hurt, no one covers it. Your insurance at home won't cover it. NFL won't cover it. Team won't cover it. So if you get hurt, you're done. Like you, you can't, you can't, may not even be able to like move your arm for the rest of your life. Cause no one's going to repair it. I'm like, damn. All right. Well, I got to hang it up. He's like, you put your family at risk or you hang it up. But I hung it up. I remember crying in my office at the gym when I like realized like that was the end of, of that chapter. And I didn't know what to do. So I was like, I got to fight myself again. I got to be that guy again. I got to, I got to build. So now I start building this gym. My, my wife's pregnant with twins. We have two kids, uh, which are 10 now We have twins. And, and I'm not even there. I'm there for like a couple hours and I'm back at the gym and I build it up 6am to 10pm. I'm getting out of shape from stress. Cause I'm losing money. I can't pay bills. Nine months in, I'm, I get served with eviction notice. I couldn't pay rent for three months. And I had to find a way like, to not go broke and go bankrupt. We got a house we just bought the year before. Like, dude, like stress upon stress. And then make it even worse. Like, my wife and I get distant. She starts partying, hanging out. And then I find out she's having an affair with some, some guy that, like, we all knew was a super dude. I got to the point where I came home after this. I found him like on a vacation, I found out. Come home. And I'm going to this gym trying to be happy, but I got no happy in me. Like I got to be the highlight of somebody else's day. And I just want to tuck into a ball and cry. And I just, I remember just little by little, my soul being pulled from me and pulled from me. And then I just, I was in a fog, man. Like when you have everything hit you, it's a fog. I'd lost my football career. I'd lost my health. I'd lost my wife. uh, And now I believe like I lost my family because I I was putting my kids in a situation like I grew up, which was, I wasn't in the household. They didn't know dad. It was just distant. And it, it broke, broke my heart. I remember I went to this UFC fight. Uh, I don't even know what was fighting. My buddy Derek had it at his house. And I'm sitting on the couch. And I guess from what I'm told, I didn't move for like three hours. Stuck. Didn't talk to anybody. Just sat there staring at the screen. And I go and I walk out of the house to leave. And it was all done. It was like 10 o'clock or something at night. My buddy Jay comes out. He's like, aunt, I know you got a lot going on. But he literally says verbatim what he said. He says, but this is your reality. Wow. And it was like this, this wave, like a sledgehammer hit my chest of everything. I got in the car. I kid you, I couldn't stop crying. I could barely breathe because the brain can't differentiate between physical and emotional pain at times. Mm-hmm. And it was something that hurt that I could not get to stop. And I texted my friends and family. I said, please tell my kids that their father was, and I was off looking for rat poison. And so I just, I was gone, drove like an hour, couldn't find anything. I ended up parking this gas station that was out like an hour from my house in Stockton just sat there parked and like little by little, like the wave kind of went away. And then the GPS, the police found my phone by GPS and they came and I was by that time settled. And I was like, no, I'm fine. You know, they're making it up. Just making, you know, like all this stuff that wasn't going on. I was. So I went home. I remember showing up my house, man, like 40 people outside, like the most hopeless shame I've ever felt. Like people that I know love me just waiting. Like, how did I do this? And I remember just like, I got to get out of here. I went away and a couple days later, a buddy of mine, Richie Beltram, good dude. Richard Belsman goes, Ant, pulls in the back of the office. I got him back to the gym, pulls in the back of the office. He says, Ant, man, uh, when I found out what was going on, he said, like, I threw up, literally threw up. He says, I, I thought I'd lost a hero, which wow. for me, very weird. Like, you don't, you don't hear guys you played high school football with that work with you at the gym tell you that you're their hero. And it's like an alpha dude, like real good. You know? And so for me, it was this moment where, like, I'd hit my dark. I'd hit the bottom and I, I had to find a way to make sense of all this. Like it's, it could like all my life. Think about this. The only moment of like high in my life was like the NFL that even then was just hard and difficult and hoping I had a job. I was an underdog. Like I wasn't drafted. I was a guy every day being told I was going to get cut. You know, I got this kid. I got this wife. It's going crazy. My real mom, my adoptive mom's sick, like all this stuff going on, man. None of it made sense. Like why? You know what I mean? Like so, why? 
So the only thing that really made sense was football in a sense throughout your entire life from the beginning on. From the, from my developmental years after not feeling like trash, football made me feel like not trash, like something. And then that was taken away. And then the rest of it was taken away. So the things that made me me, my identity was not just football identity, but my entire identity, my family, my wife, my health, my kids, the, the football was gone. The business, it was all, it was like nothing was working. And so I had to find a way to make it make sense. And what Richie did was he planted a seed and he, he the seed was essentially says, you know, throughout your life, all the people around you are like, we know what you've gone through, what you've created. He's like, you inspire a lot of people without even knowing it. Mm. And it was just a seed, man. It was a seed that was planted that was like, maybe if I, if I try to do that on purpose, like if I try to help people on purpose, maybe I could make some of this craziness. Right. Cause think about the identity shifts I've gone through at this point. Like countless I've been navigating, you know, you got a guy that has two dads and they're not gay. Like I got to figure that thing out. You know, I got to deal with school, academics, the, the business, fatherhood, football, all these things, the boss. I'm like in this business trying to figure out how to navigate a whole career in business that I've never been in before. Dude, it was just a lot that I put on my plate. And, uh, and so what happens is I'm still in a fog for a couple of years. I do get a divorce, crazy, you know, custody battles. It's, it's, it's not healthy or happy. And, uh, and you know, April, April, 2014, April 15th, uh, I'm in the room holding my mom's hand and she takes her final breaths. Like one of those, like this sucks. Cause the weird thing was for me, like I was happy she was out of pain. It's a joy to that. Like no, my mom's not hurting 17 years of MS. It's no joke. But then on the flip side, it was like this realization of like, that was a life. That's, that's what it was. It was 47 gone. Like I, at the time I was 30. I was like, there's a possibility I could be here for less years than I've already been here. And that felt fast already. Yeah. I was like, I got to do something, you know? And also the biggest thing, like the, the hill that I die on for people, why I teach them how to operate. I want people to fill potential, like fill the cup up, man. Like that's, I want people to go to the end of their life and be like, <laughs> I wrung every drop out of that one. You know, like get everything out of it. And you can't do that if, if you don't push. And my mom physically couldn't do it, but I could. At this time, like I wasn't happy, man. I didn't love the gym like I did. I didn't have this desire to do anything. I kind of was just like sitting around, like going through the motions. Like, and I had got other relationships started, and those were falling apart left and right. Like, I just that I was not, I was not aunt in a sense of like this joyful dude. And so when she passed away, I was like, I got to figure out how to be able to be the guy that that does something to pass on her legacy, which for her it was just unconditional love, man. She loved me. She didn't have to. I was a bad little kid breaking lamps the first week I was there, but she unconditionally loved me and allowed me to not be that statistic. And then on the flip side, I was like, well, you know, what if I unconditionally love the world? Like, what if I give love to this world in a way that no one's ever seen from a guy you typically look at and wouldn't think he would do it? Cause I'm a former NFL, like linebacker. I'm like six, one, six, one and a half. I'm a six, two, like 235 pounds. Like I'm not the guy that's like, Oh, he's high. Hey, happy guy. Like not typical of a guy that looks like me. I was like, I'm gonna go do that. And so I didn't know how, just like a kid, I didn't know how. But somebody, and I believe it was God, introduced me to something really, really unique. At this time, my gym came up to the form of a lease being done. Lease was done, did not have to re-up the lease. So I could essentially leave the gym without any bills or debt. I also got this $250,000 contract with a power company. It was $220,000 of profit. At the time, I might have been making thirty grand a year. So I had like, oh, I got like four, five, some years I could live off this. Oh, we're good, right? And then I walk away from that. I'm like, all right, well what am I going to do? And then I happened across this guy um, that someone that I was consulting with introduced me to him, Brendan Burchard. He's like, this guy teaches you how to do you know, expert stuff called Experts Academy. I was like, oh, let me look it up. Well, look it up and I'm engulfed in it. He's all he's talking about how you can take your story and do something with it to help people's lives. Frame it up, teach people from what you've learned. I was like, that seems like magic. I didn't know this existed. Like I heard Tony Robbins didn't know what he did. And I ended up going to the seminar because it was an hour from my house in Santa Clara, California. So where the guy does his things. I'm like, oh, cool. I'm gonna go down there. I show up, just a guy in a seat, hanging out, watching, learning. So in this one kind of precipice moment, June of 2014, I close the gym. I get some cash to live. I learn about this world. I set sail. And it turned into this whole monster. So here's the unique thing. If, you know what Brendan Burchard is? I don't. Brennan's is, is he's like uh he's in the realm of like Tony. He's probably like one level below Tony. He's, he's a big name dude. He motivation manifesto, experts academy, high performance habits, solid, amazing human being. And I just show up to his events. He's he's tied to guys like your Dean Grassos, he's Lewis House, Trent Shelton, like we're in a mastermind together. But all that stuff was not something I ever even thought possible, or even knew existed. I walk in this room, people are like jumping, clapping, 
hugging people like, bro, I don't know you. What are you hugging? What are you? you know, <laughs> weird world. And I remember in the back of the room, this is where a very serendipitous kind of situation took place. It's like, I'm trying to figure out how to navigate my life at home. Like, how do I deal with the craziness of the, 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 you know, the custody battle back and forth and who's Anthony. And I never had done personal growth. I never tried to make this guy better. I never thought of updating my own software. Wow. And so now I'm introduced to this world where like it's presenting an opportunity for me, not only to share, cause I, I didn't, I didn't think at the time but I know now I thought, Oh, I'd done this. I can teach that. That wasn't it. I hadn't crossed the finish line yet. I knew I was in, a, in the turmoil. I was in the middle of the, the problem and I thought I should teach from there. And I started trying to, and it was bad. It was not the smartest thing to do because I didn't know what, I didn't know what the next part of it was. Like when people try teaching while on the race, I think it's detrimental because what happens is you may make a left turn and a right turn, a left turn, a right turn, right? So maybe you take a, a hard left until you cross that finish line. You can go, Oh, I probably should have taken that left. Right. Yeah. You're doing people damage. Cause you may have made a, a wrong left turn, but if I cross the finish line, I can go back, go, no, 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 no. Make the right. Don't go left. Right. But if I'm on the race, I don't know that I haven't crossed. Like, I don't, I don't know. And so at the time I was in the race and I hadn't crossed the finish line. So over the next few years, I started showing up to these events, read more books, figuring out Anthony. And, uh, it was unique. I got to this point where like I had gone to the events, just a guy in the room. And I went to one of the rooms and like, I had this, like, it's a group meeting. You do like these little breaks. All right. Talk to five people. Tell your story. There's this girl in the back of the room. And I go in this, I sat in the back of the room and I just always had, and she gets in a group and everybody's telling her story and think nothing of it. The next day I'm in the hallway and somebody walks up. Some woman says, Hey, tell me your story. And then you're in this place. You're in this mood of like, Oh, I want to tell everybody my story, you know? <laughs> so I tell her my story and I just tell her my story and she's like, okay, cool. Walks off. I'm like, that was weird. But that just seems like everybody's weird here anyway. So let's just keep doing our thing. Right. And so what happens is I find out, um, later on, she's Brendan's right hand. Like she's his lady, his main woman, um, who like runs the managed everything. She introduces me to Mel. Now the girl in the back of the room that came from that little meeting was Mel, who's Brendan's left hand. That's Mel's son's fiance. Who's part of the staff. So she sat in a little group, heard my story, told them, they're like, that's an interesting story. Let me find out about this guy. They watched me for a few like events that I would go to over the next ensuing months. And eventually she's like, Hey, do you want to volunteer? No intention of volunteering. I'm playing the NFL. I didn't really care to meet the guy, Brendan. Like he's cool. He's on stage. I just want to learn what he's got. I don't need to go like, Oh, I don't fanboy. It's not who I am. I was like, yeah, I can volunteer. So I go and I volunteer. Grant, I'm, I'm volunteering at the events, like watching how it works, helping people, being Anthony, still trying to work on my life, navigate my stuff, work this business, help people best I can. And then there's one day we're like, hey, you're a big guy. How about you go be security and help him do you know, his little path to his room so nobody bothers him? You're talking like 2,500, 3,000 people at the events. People want to get this guy's attention. So uh, like, yeah, I do it. And then we have a conversation. He asks what I do. I tell him what I do. And then one of the days... Um, he's saying like his back hurt. And I tell him about this, like this movement he can do. And I got in the ground, like did this little twist. He goes, damn, for a big guy, you're kind of limber. Like, do you have any programs? Like I got this one I made called Jim in a bag. I'd made it when I was separate and single. I, one of my girlfriends was a flight attendant. I, I put some stuff in a bag for my gym, like a cinch sack, sent it off with a workout plan inside. She loved it. She's like, it's great. I can do it in the go. When I started consulting for that power company, I created a bag for them also called a gym in a bag, made it in like one night, sent it off. He's like, dude, if you, if you come back next event, just bring one for me. Cool. Come back to this event, give it to him. Next day he goes, Hey, I did trucks training last night. It was like the gym in the bag. It's trucks training. He goes, we're going to make this. He's like, Oh, well, we're going to, we're going to make it together. Right? So he creates an opportunity for me to partner with him as a business partner. And I'm still in the background living my life. I figured it all out. At this point, what uniquely happened was I'd been doing a lot of in the background, Anthony, like just figuring out life. I've been dating women. I was single, do that playboy stuff. Not my cup of tea, bro. I got distant from my faith, not a fan of it. And I'd gone at one point to Russia and I was like dating this, this not even dating, talking to this girl from Russia and she flew over. Granted, she couldn't even speak English. And you think like, oh, black guy got this Russian and she comes out, hangs out on New Year's, like, oh, playboy. And I remember it was all physical. I could barely talk to her. I woke up on New Year's Day and no kids in the house, couldn't talk to this woman and just felt this like weight of shame. It was this feeling of like, man, if my, my kids were to walk it on me right now, I'd be ashamed of myself. Like if my son did this, I'd be ashamed of him. Like this is, it was like legit disgusting. Like I felt disgusted in myself and I was like, this is not, this is not okay. I hadn't, I still do. I still had not updated my programming. I had not gone in and hit. Okay. I kept snoozing everything. The relationships kept failing. I kept snoozing them. You know, the business was still not up and down. It wasn't, wasn't perfect. I was just trying to figure it all out. 
you know, I was still arguing with my ex-wife. It was just all this craziness. And after that day, I was like, I, I'm, I'm going to figure out how to deal with this. And I remember cutting off all women. I didn't go out and party. I wasn't drinking. And what I would do is I would, I would sit back in a room in my, in my townhouse at its brown wall. And I would just stare at the wall and have conversations with the wall. Legit. Just like, dude, why did your marriage really fall apart? Like, why, why are you out of shape? Why is the business not what it's supposed to be? Why are you, why were you still struggling with this thing? Like, all these conversations I just kept dealing with and having, and they were the hard ones. It was me finally hitting the update button, removing wow. myself from the life and spending time. Because if you think about a computer's pain and frustration waiting for it to update, the same thing happens when it pull away and update your life. So I pull back and I start like updating and figuring out like conversations I got to have. I had conversations with my ex-wife. I had conversation with the guy that she had the affair with and like figured that out. Like to this day, I can see him and nod my head and continue on. There's no ill will. There's no malice. Like I did a lot of, uh, a lot of growth in just terms of figuring out how to be better as a human, better as a father, more present, show up. And so as I'm making this thing with Brendan, I'm also fixing my life in the background. And then what happens, I get to this point in 2016 and my ex-wife, for a lot of the years, I wanted her to be a better mom because she was like going through the shame of breaking her family up. And I kept putting that shame on her tough because I didn't want to accept I had anything to do with it. How dare you be with somebody else? Right. And then I got to this point of realization of like, we were both high school sweethearts, man. We, we didn't know who we were without each other. That's tough. On yeah. top of that, I was gone from like 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. at the gym. And although she made a crappy choice, she didn't get to the position of having to make a choice by herself. So it took two people. So that was part of the update for me. It's like, damn, bro. Like, yeah, she made a bad choice, but you helped her in a position, man. And and taking back that that power came with a lot of pain. When I say power, taking back the ability to have some control came with pain. And it always does if it's the right kind of power. If you're mm-hmm. looking at some of your life, you're like, I don't know what's going on. If you can, can say, oh, yeah, I did that, and it doesn't hurt to accept, it's not the real depth of it all. So for me, I realized like that's where everything lays. I had to be able to sit back and say, Oh man, that hurts. But now, like before that, I like, Hey, I'm not going to get in a relationship anymore. Cause every girl's probably going to cheat on me. They're all crazy. All the girls are liars. Right. So you think, and the reality it's like, yeah, if you lie to them or you do dumb stuff that happens. Like if you, if you don't accept that you may not have been perfect in that situation, you're going to keep running into the same wall. Yeah. So I worked on that. And then I started branching out and I started speaking and talking more because I was now having a better message for people. I had elevated how I'd operated. I'd actually got to the point where fast forward, uh, my wife and I, because I removed the shame from her, like I let her know, like, Hey, I get what happened. Uh, I want you to be a great mom. I, I forgive you. Uh, I, I don't, I, I'm not happy what you did, but I forgive you. And it gave her a chance to have a space. It's like I planted a seed and let the world water it in a way. Like she found faith. She grew into an amazing woman. Three years later, like we'd gone through craziness, custody battles, nutso stuff. What ends up happening is like, she's like, Hey, I want to get out of our, our crazy town because small towns are not good for this kind of stuff. Everybody knows everybody. Everybody talks. She's yeah. like, but I know you can't be away from the kids for too long. I want to go to Costa Rica. We'll get separate rooms. You know, just me, you, the kids, not a family thing. We'll make sure it's very clear. I was like, cool, let's do it. So I went down and then there's three weeks of being tucked away, talking to somebody. And the best way I could explain it was it was a person I had met for the first time that I'd known for like 16 years. It was a different human. And we got to have deep conversations and then we came home and we we're like, let's try it again. And fast forward now, almost four years, incredibly amazing marriage. Like we, I, I would go through it all again if I knew it would end up here. And along the same journey, we've established a great family, great heart centered family around God, got great kids, like everything's based and stable financially. We're good. But the biggest thing out of all of it is I crossed the finish line. And now when I go back to my world, of teaching and coaching, I've crossed that finish line. So when I'm going back and telling people how to navigate an identity shift, like I've done them, the, the husband, the, the not the husband, the bad dad, the business owner wasn't good, good business owner coach. At one point I reopened my gym because when I closed it, it wasn't doing well. It was just, I'd made money somewhere else. I reopened it to make sure I could master that and sold it December 2018. And I just, I for double what I invested in. I just want to make sure I could do it. So I've crossed all these finish lines because there's no way I want to turn around and tell somebody where to go if I haven't crossed it myself. And so for me, like the thing I'm doing now, which you asked, like I teach people how to elevate how they operate in life. Like how do I elevate all the, the areas of my beliefs, my thoughts, my actions, my habits, my character, my pride, and show up for myself to read that book or take that course or go to the seminar or work on my marriage, work on my health, 
be a better parent. All these things that at the end of it, it's the key to helping you reach your full potential. That thing you're supposed to do that you don't see right now. Because I'm telling you, all of us have these things that we're like, oh, if I get that, that's going to be great. It's a 10 to you. But what you find is when you get to that 10, it's like you look at it, you're like, oh, wow, that 10, man, that was a two. Yeah. There's more, right? And so that's that's my focus. When I get up in the, in the morning every day, and I got this like structure of how I operate as a human, and I'm just ticking away to change lives, man. That's all I'm doing. Ticking away to teach people how to elevate their entire operation as a human, update their system like I updated mine, and continue to, continue to do it all the time. Because you still get updates. I still don't them anymore. When I work on them, man, you do that, change your life. Yeah, man. You you never stop going. And you start yeah. to realize that once you hit that goal, you're like, man, like, what's next? It's you know? Up. Yeah, but yeah. you know, it's not, it's not a bad thing. I think some people think- It's a good thing. To, yeah, you don't have to, like, look at it like, oh, because I want more that I'm not happy with what I have now. I am incredibly happy with what I have now. But my thought is, like, before I got here, I didn't know what this level was going to feel like. And I'm like, this is way better than I ever thought it was going to be. Like, it's like when you go to that restaurant, you're like, I'm going to try this burrito. I don't know what you eat. You're like, oh, my gosh, this burrito is amazing. You know, like, right. it's okay to want another burrito another day later. So what I want is like, I get to the level and I want people to realize like, I am incredibly happy with what I have, but I am more in love with the journey than the destination. Mm-hmm. The destination is great and I'll get there. But the, the way I get there is because the way I operate daily, I'm in love with the journey. I love getting up and writing and reading and creating and coaching and doing videos and sharing a message ideas. And those are the things that naturally are bringing me up the mountain. I don't got to think about going, I'll get to the mountain. I'll be like, oh, cool, cool mountain. All right, let's keep on going. Because I, I want to get back to the work of it because I'm in love with the work. And when people learn to elevate that portion and fall in love with the work that overwhelms you, you kill it. Because here's the big thing. There are things that people know will move the needle and help them be more successful. You included, myself included. I know there's things. But those things I, I look at, I go, ah, it's overwhelming, man. It's a lot. I don't have enough hours in a day. Like We can start making these excuses. The thoughts come in that are separate from the beliefs and the mindset gets weak for just a moment. And what happens is I'm like, Oh, it's just pain in that. And I try it like football. I try it. I suck. Oh, I'm not so good. I have a 10 of pain and I walk away. I'd never revisit it or it takes a while to revisit it. Right. But if you think about it, I went in, I learned something. So if I go back in, it's going to be a nine. And then it might be an eight of pain. Then it'll be a seven. Right. And it goes back to one. And most people think when it goes to one, it goes to zero and it sits like, okay, you're comfortable with it. It's not what happens. It goes from one to joy. Mm. because that thing that I sucked at, like when I speak on stages, I was deathly afraid of doing it and telling my story at first. It was a 10 of pain. Oh, I suck. Right. Nine, eight, seven, six, zero. It's not like, okay, I'm comfortable. I can do my thing. Now I'm like, Oh, let's do it. I'm I'm joyful because I know the skill that I have because of the pain I've endured and experienced and I have appreciation for it. So most people aren't understanding that when you go into this thing and you're scared of it, it hurts at first. You're not going in with a, a, a just to make the pain less. You're going to turn into actual positive joy. And that's what I have people seek for potential. Wow. So tell me this. How can people find you? How they can't. Can they I'm a ghost. You? you can never talk to me ever again. <laughs> How can they see all these things that you're up to? Yeah. Um, yeah, man. Yeah. Best place to go is if you go to anthonytrucks.com, it's my website, or go to at anthonytrucks on Instagram. We have very specific coaching programs that, that walk people through the three stages we go through to do everything I talked about. See, shift, sustain. Three specific curriculum-based programs we've created, scientifically-based, very structured, phenomenal videos. I spent $30,000 plus just developing the course curriculum and the product in line, uh, online. And the reality is, is I have fun here. Don't get me wrong. I have fun here and I joke around. But in that, that is people's lives. I'm I'm fun, but I'm serious about it because this is hard earned income that people invest to make their lives better and then make it back. One of my clients, I just got a, uh, an email from her, a message that popped while we're doing it. Natasha, like the way that I teach people to operate, she is in a a place where she has this brick and mortar business. She works with concussion, post-concussion clients up in Canada. And, uh, and what happened was she got to a point where she's like, okay, I got my brick and mortar business. I want to try doing some online stuff at a better level. She'd been trying it for a few years. I got on board with her as a coach and she wanted to elevate her operation with some strategy stuff. The cool thing is what I do. It's not just behind the scenes work. You go apply it. You have to take the action to build that identity. And the actions we take aren't arbitrary. It's not like go cut a lawn. It's like, we're going to do the actions to build your business or fix your marriage or work on your health. We choose the actions that'll help you be the person you want and it helps shift along the way. It's a cool duality of it, right? 
So for her, she wanted to elevate her operation and some strategy for the business. So we got this craziness hitting right now. We're in the middle of this whole shutdown, right? Her brick and mortar shut down up in Canada. She's like, what do I do? I'm like, well, get everybody from the brick and mortar to your online. We've already got running. She's like, oh yeah, let's do that. Did it. And I'm like, okay, cool. Now you're, you're the gold miner. Now I want you to start selling gold pants. What do you mean, Aunt? I was like, I need you the next couple of days to get this thing. This is last month, this Monday, earlier this week, Monday. I said, I need you to get everything set up online for you to be able to organize and structure a, a way to teach people how to do what you did, how to set it up, not run it, but how to set it up in a few hours. And I want you to put a post out and I want you to sell it for a price, put online, we're just going to launch. Because I promise there are a lot of people that do not know how to do what you're doing right now. Because oh, I don't know, like she's a little bit like, ah, I'm like, no, we're going to do this. Do it, right? And so she finally went out and did it. Three days later, we're back on the phone. This was Thursday. Thursday, we're back on the phone for a quick follow-up. What are you doing? In the middle of our call, she sold. Like a, an email came up. Boom, bing. First sale of the program for 250 bucks. right? 250 bucks. the first one. We are now, what, Saturday or Thursday? Friday, Saturday. Two days later, I just got a message from her. I kid you not. That says that she sold her 35th program. So as, as of Monday, she had nothing to offer, no ideas. She, in her mind, her thoughts and beliefs and mindset were, I can't, I'm going to struggle. I don't know how to, right? She is now, as of this moment, sold $8,750 of a program. She'll do one time this Sunday for four hours. She'll, she's, I've already got her set up to record it to be evergreen. She can sell it ongoing from here. And after that, I told her, hey, go reach out to all your organizations that oversee people like you. She did that. Three of them are like, yes, our people need this. They're now marketing this program for her also. So it's so, like, that's why it's so important to have a mentor and a coach. You got to somebody to push her. Because if she didn't, she wouldn't have this and everything. This could change her entire life and business. This could change. Because the cool thing is she's got such a huge heart. She's a, a beautiful little boy. She has an amazing husband. Like, I want her to win. I'm not going to see a dime of that. None of it. But I'm crazy excited. Because I'm like, I took all this stuff that I figured out in the business and then how operation, how I pushed when I needed to push to where this is now her normalcy. The thing that she's like, this is what she'll do. So years from now, when this comes up, she'll be like, no, 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 I don't, that's not who I am. I'm the person yeah. who took a program, launched it in a week, made a $10,000 or more, which will probably when it's all done. And that's who I am now. The, the, the belief, the thought, the action, it all changes. The identity changes. And now it spins. And she's got people in this thing that are the leaders in her industry about to tune in to watch her do her thing on Sunday. So it's like that's these good. weird little pieces, right? And that that's the work I do. That's the real life leveling up the life and business in real time. Like I'm a crazy excited because like I get to see somebody in real time do it. I've been giving her so much praise, but like realistically, that's what I, that's what I love to do, man. And that's where it shows up if you do it right. Totally. So anthonytrucks.com, get in touch yeah. with them. Uh, this guy is super excited. You should see the, the passion in his eyes. So uh, <laughs> make sure you go there and, and get in touch with him, man. Um, and Anthony, I definitely appreciate you coming on. Hey, you're very welcome. Anytime you need, man, let me know. Thanks for listening to the show. Our brand design and strategy is by Tessa at fivefootstudio.com. You can also find her on Instagram at fivefootstudio. Go ahead and subscribe so that you never miss an episode. And please give us feedback. We want to hear from you. We want to hear your thoughts. And most importantly, keep playing injured.